Drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the DLC, DLC Drop, Drop Podcast. Podcast. All right, excited for this episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. I love the opportunities to lean into the skateboarding side of my life and somebody who I have watched from a distance, uh, especially from a business perspective in uh, skateboarding for a very, very long time, is our guest today, uh, Ryan Clements. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I mean, you certainly haven't watched me from my skateboarding career, definitely from my <laughs> business career. You know, that your, the, the setup in the driveway, I think when you have that setup of the dream driveway, I don't think people even question the skills on the board. They assume you're incredibly good at skateboarding. I, no, I'm not incredibly good. I at this point, skateboarding is just exercise. Um, you nice. know, just keep, keep trying to keep myself young. Well, at 39 years of age now, I'm still, I haven't lost a ton of tricks. Like I can still, when the stars align, hit that hip derail with a good amount of wow. tricks. But what I will say is sometimes I have those days where I roll up and the legs just aren't there. And I'm like, okay, this counts as cardio. And if I'm going to be missing tricks the whole time, I'm going to try a new trick. <laughs> Maybe I can yeah. learn something. That works. Yeah. I got 10 years on you and it's like your body just, does, it just doesn't work the same way, you know, and, and things hurt differently and all that. And, but, uh, but for me, man, it just keeps me going. And I, I feel like, uh, I feel like I owe it to skateboarding. Like I have hmm. to skate. I can't not skate. Oh yeah. You have I do to. What I do. Question for you that just popped in my mind. What? was your favorite trick like prime of your career oh and what is your current favorite trick yeah well i, I was never particularly good at skateboarding you know yeah. i had a lot of fun um when like reverts and switch tricks became something in trend on transition like the late 80s early 90s like doing like back to reverts or like switch rock and rolls so, or like that was like a trick then you know yeah now it's like whatevs but uh, but now nowadays, man, just the fact that I can still do a, a pivot the fake year or Smith grind, it's like stoked, you know, just just cruising around. Yeah. Um, I, I do every time I skate, I do. Uh, I start with I have a mani pad at my house, and here at the TF, or they're everywhere. Like whenever I skate, I do five manuals, five nose manuals before I do anything else. And I'm okay. Like, I want to always be able to do that, no matter what. Yeah, there was a trick a while back. I'm trying to think of what it was. Oh yeah, just kick for fifty fifties on a ledge. And I remember just, I stopped doing them for a while because I was like, it's not the greatest trick. You know, I want to do other tricks, whatever. And then I lost them because, and then I couldn't do a kick for 50-50. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, <laughs> I can't let that out of the bag. I got to bring it back. That happens, man. And it's like, for me, it's the, it's the fear thing. You know, it's like you, you, you don't skate. Like, you might get busy going on a trip. Maybe I didn't skate on that particular trip. Go back to my driveway driveway is kind of in, it doesn't look like it on video and photos it's it's a little bit intimidating it go you go really fast down down the hill if you don't speed check yourself and hit yeah. the quarter pipes on the way, way down slope of the, the grade of the driveway is steeper than it seems and then uh the, some of the ramps are just unforgiving man and, and they're not perfect and there's there's it's it, it wasn't this it, it wasn't designed all one as one master plan it was like oh let's build this here and build that there and it's it's, it's imperfect and uh it's it's conducive to eating shit on a regular basis love it yeah well i think i was thinking back uh towards what may be our first interaction and i think possibly our first interaction was when i was in i was 17 years old 
And the damn am was announced that at Volcom headquarters in Costa Mesa, they were going to have the very first event where they were going to have this new series for amateur skateboarders. Yep. And I was at that point in my career where I had, you know, I sponsored by everyone you've never heard of, <laughs> you know, so I was getting some, so, you know, I had a, a skate shop sponsor, apparel sponsor, you know, those t-shirt companies came up and down all the time. I had shop flow for globe. So, uh, right. shout out Jay Gatlin who kept me going for many, many years there. But I remember calling the office like whatever number was in the magazine or whatever it was back then, trying to get in to get a you know a ticket or to, uh-huh. and I remember talking to probably you on the phone, since there was what three or four of you guys running the place. It probably was, yeah, and it probably was the skate park in Tampa number. Yeah, so I called, and probably you picked up at the phone, and I'm like, hey man, yeah, this is who I am. I'm trying to get in this contest. <laughs> And you're like, well, appreciate your interest, um, but we're trying to really make this like the top AMs in the world. And I said, well, how do you know I'm not one of them? (laughs) And then I showed up, turned out I wasn't one of them. (laughs) The DLC Drop podcast is sponsored by Ice Shaker. I've been a huge fan of this brand for the past few years, ever since I met founder Chris Gronkowski. Uh, What I love about this product is the brand story, the functionality, and the customization. iShaker is a Shark Tank company invested in by Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez, owned by NFL players Rob Gronkowski and Chris Gronkowski. I love using my iShaker anytime I'm driving to the podcast studio, I'm going skateboarding, or I'm at the gym. No matter what I'm doing, it just does a great job of keeping my drinks hot or cold. The customization for iShaker is something that's super unique. You can get any name, just about any logo engraved onto your iShaker and delivered to you within just three to five business days. Get your own DLC Drop branded iShaker at iShaker.com forward slash DLC Drop. Save 20% on all iShaker products with the discount code DLC Drop. It, it, it is funny, right? Like, like the back then how you had to do things you couldn't just and nothing was digital it's it's fun i remember that you just brought up memories of we used to people would fax their tampa am and tampa pro entries to us on the fax wow. machine because i you know you know yeah. mike carroll's mike carroll would send it or rick howard or like Sick. you know yeah back then in the 90s yeah so i remember i rolled up and i'm skating against ryan sheckler andrew reynolds is just hanging out watching um, Billy Marks won the contest wow. and like every am that I had seen in every magazine I was skating against and uh, every pro who I watched in every magazine was right there on the sidelines watching all their skaters skate and it was crazy how that was then because there was no there were video parts there were full-length videos yeah there was the, ma- the magazines but there was no like constant in your face like with so with social or internet kind of kind of things right and so it was a big deal if there was a major contest so everyone went because you didn't see people otherwise and in the crowd it would be i mean i remember tony hawk used to go to those he's just roll up wow we're like tony hawk's here 
wow, yeah, I, that's how I was too. You know, it was like it was a big deal. You know, yeah. in a parking lot, there were no skate. Think about it. Like now, like there were no skate park. It, well, there wasn't even a skate park yet there in Costa Mesa. No, like that was worthy of a contest at least. Yeah, Volcom had their indoor setup where people would be in there shredding, mm-hmm. and you're like skating next to Jamie Thomas or whatever, just like whatever. And then you go out to the, you know, the obstacles, the skate course, which was enormous. It was, it was during that time where like people are skating like the ginormous rails, not yet kinked rails, but just huge ones. And they had one rail down a bank that was like, I think Corey Duffel hit it or somebody, um, nobody else touched that thing. There's like you, John, you leave that for the people who skate that don't, um, (laughs) it's funny how big everything was, right? I remember a lot of the quarter pipes were like six feet tall. The bank to wall was big. Like you would have to push your ass off to be able to hit the bank to wall. Correct. Just because it was massive. Yeah. Yeah. the, The times were different. Right. And, and like, we didn't figure out a lot of that stuff yet of, of like skate park design. It was like, hey, you just need like, it's pretty basic, man. You just need a quarter pipe, a ledge, a hip. Probably didn't even have a hip. Just had like a three foot tall, eight foot deck pyramid that was <laughs> yes. massive. Yeah, some dude's nollie heel flipping it. I'm trying to yeah. catch a kickflip over it and <laughs> not look like an idiot. What a time to be alive. That's cool. Yeah, so we've we've both come a long ways from from that uh, time. I really respected everything that you and the team did at Skate Park of Tampa, especially, you know, skate parks and skate contests are so looked down upon by skate culture because it's not out in the wild. It's not skating in the streets. And so I want to get into a, a little bit of that, how you guys were able to make that authentic and accepted and then your time at the border, you're now representing pro skaters, a number of them who have pro shoe deals. So I'm excited to get into all that with you. Uh, why don't we start where it makes the most sense with your career path? Uh, how about landscaping? <laughs> no, that, yeah, that's funny. I was just a kid, you know, just a typical kid with a lawnmower when I, when I, you know, in my neighborhood when I was a, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, early teenager, you know. And uh, I, was in, I was in college graduated high school and went to college and man, it was just, it was really slow paced for me. And I just hmm. felt like I was in 13th and 14th grade. It just didn't, it, I, I didn't like it. And did I, you know I what you, a, did you know what you wanted to be or did you have like a, a goal or were you just like going so you didn't get kicked out of mom and dad's house sort of a thing? I, I was already out of mom and dad's house. That didn't, that, that happened already. Right. So mm-hmm. I moved out when I was right when I turned 18, lived in, in, a, in a room of, in the back of a friend's house. And I was working construction at a, uh, at a sheet metal an air conditioning company that I was in the sheet metal department. So I, it was really a good experience. I was around all these like hardworking Southern men that yeah. like taught me how to work, like how to get shit done, how to get things from point A to point B, how to like hang giant things off of big commercial buildings and like just use all this different equipment and tools. And I thought that was a, a, a just, and just how to be really productive in an eight hour time frame. Like mm-hmm. we're going to do this today. That was a cool experience. I was mowing lawn, lawns on the side still in college and going to college for, to be a teacher. I was going to be a shop teacher. Yeah. Wow. I was like 19 years old making more money doing construction and mowing lawns on the side than what the teacher's salary was. And then I was <laughs> yeah. like, and I'm going to be constricted by this job that I have to follow these rules, which I was not really into. And I was like, I quit college and I quit the, the construction job and I started a lawn service. I was doing the math. I had a push mower 
and you know just really cheap uh, non-commercial equipment. Yeah. And I was making two hundred bucks on Saturday and two hundred two hundred dollars on Sundays. And this is in nineteen ninety two. Yeah. You know, so I was like, banking. Wait, I'm making four hundred bucks in two days. I can make a thousand a thousand dollars a week at that time was like pretty significant money. Right. I was like, I'll make fifty grand a year. And that's why, so I saw, I quit my job, quit college, started a lawn service. And, hmm. and that's what I did for four years. One of my accounts was Skate Park of Tampa. Wow. When Interesting. Brian Schaefer founded Skate Park of Tampa in 1991. He and I were friends years before from skating together. I was like, let me help you out. I'll mow your lawn. And as a courtesy, like once a year, he'd be like, yeah, pick what you want from the shop. So that's what I would do. Sick. He and I were two of our only friends, two two of our friends out of the out of the group of friends that like had like responsibilities, a business, enough money to go to a restaurant and, and sure. eat out. Yeah, so we kind of became friends, be, closer friends because of the, what we had in common and what we were both so young and learning all of this, all these things that we had never done before. Yeah, similar so lifestyles and level of lifestyle at the same age, right? Yeah, and then Skate Park of Tampa at the time had a had the indoor street course, and they built that outside metal bowl. Yeah, if you remember it from a long time ago. And Brian built that bowl, and that's what kept me skating the whole time. Like, oh, there's something I like to skate. Uh, Skateboarding well, at the time was like small boards, small wheels. It was like it was a weird time of skateboarding. Tech on ledges, trying, sort of a thing. What's that? More tech on ledges, flipping in, flipping out. and Yeah. It was like the beginning of like, you know, Bo Turner, Scott Conklin. If you remember those guys, like that beginning of Alien and like all that, like it was very, very technical. Yeah. And I remember I bought the biggest, got or bought the biggest board they had at Skate Park. It was an anti-hero. I remember who's was probably a Cardiel. Mm-hmm. Was he on Black Label then still or was he on anti-hero? I can't remember even what year it was, but I got the biggest board they had and I would skate that bowl and that kept me skating. That's awesome. Yeah, and then I was mowing lawns all those years, and it was it was cool. Like I like I learned a ton. I learned so much because I just dove into it, you know, and started an S corp and had payroll and employees and trucks and clients and had to figure out. This is like computers were new. Like I had a giant <laughs> laptop. No, sorry, giant desktop computer. Yeah, just to figure out how to invoice people. You know, like I didn't even have an. There was no email. I didn't have an email address yet. That's how long ago wow. it was. You know. That's interesting. And, uh, so how did that merge from, hey, I'm mowing your lawn to I'm your business partner, essentially? Uh, well, I just was, I was like, hey, I think I can, my skill set can help you here. Hmm. So that was five years after he started is when I, he started Skate Park Tampa in 93. And then I started working there in 98. Okay. So I started working there and, and it, it, it's, the, the, the relationship was, I was an employee of Skate Park Tampa. A few years later, we bought the property, and I became a partner there. Oh, I see. And then, I, well, and then years after that, we started Spotlight Production. Damn Am was absorbed by Spotlight Production. Okay. Productions, Spotlight Productions. And with Spotlight Productions was kind of like the beginning of what the border is now, of like consulting cool. and executing events for other groups. Interesting. I'm curious, when you talk about consulting uh, for for groups, probably a lot of them are outside of skateboarding or some are touching in a way, but maybe they don't have the resources to get what they'd want for an event. What are some of the, the bigger questions or, or what do people typically have wrong about what you consult them uh, on? 
you know, it is mostly within skateboarding okay. um, that we end up with, but, but, but on that, the outskirts of it, right. Like maybe, maybe it's like, maybe it's X games or maybe it's due tour or like the Smithsonian. That's a good example of like completely outside, yep. but it's like inside is still like Red Bull vans, you know, even, even Nike or Woodward or like whatever, we're, whatever we're dealing with. And there, there's, there's a connection to skateboarding still, sure. but it's like, they have a, they usually have a, an initiative in some capacity that they're attempting to execute. And then we can help them get like, we want our contest to look like this. All those other contests look like that. Can you make a contest look like this? Mm. And it's like, like, yeah, we can do that. You know, like you want it to, to be the, the strictest rule following, like live scoring and, and everything is absolutely perfect on these rules. Yes, we got you. Like we can, we have all the capabilities to do everything just like an Olympic contest. We actually okay. did the year before, a few months before the Olympics in 2021, we did a private contest for all the Red Bull skaters globally. Oh, um, no way. And we did a mock Olympics for Sick. That we created. Yeah. Who skated and, in that? Well, it wasn't public. So it was every Red Bull rider. Oh, that wow. That was going to the Olympics. Every Red Bull skater that was going to the Olympics was there. Okay. So, yeah. It was really, man, that was so fun because you're doing this contest, but it was fake, but it was real. Yeah. And because they're getting scored and judged. And then if something happened that was interesting, you could stop it in the middle of the contest, gather everyone around and explain to them, here's what happened. Here's what, here's your strategy in this situation. Here's what you should do. It was really fun. Well, that's been something really interesting uh, with street league, which is probably the first contest that really requires a lot of strategy beyond just, Hey, am I on today? Or do I have the tricks that the judges are responding to, or I'm just better than everybody else. But yeah. it's interesting because you'll you'll see skaters that you know best in the world, but you know struggle at the end of this contest because either they're not trying the right trick or they don't fully aren't fully comprehending. Like, oh, I'm oh, what's a good example? You know, I got one line. I only have one score in my line, right? And so I need mm-hmm. three best trick tricks. And so let me not go like full ham. <laughs> on this first try to make sure I get a score and then I can build on that. And you see some people do that very well. Uh, some people are, are more just pure street skaters. So it sounds like in that situation, you're consulting the the pros themselves pre-Olympics to say, yeah. hey, really think about this while you're in this this process. Yeah, haven't fully understand the, the format where they go through it, not just read it and mm-hmm. hear about it. And then... My colleague George just—he just left the office like two hours ago to fly to Rio, where they're having the Street League Championships this yeah. weekend, to work with Felipe Gustavo, who is one of the most strategic and put together dudes. But he likes having George in his corner when that time comes to be like, "What do I need to do right now?" Interesting. And then George is like really good at like, well, first of all, he knows every trick Felipe can do and the consistency of those tricks on what obstacle he can do it on. He knows a good idea of what he thinks the judges will score those tricks yep. so he can advise accordingly to like, you're, you're not trying to do your hardest trick at the time you don't need to do it. Well, for Felipe Gustavo, a uh, nolly flip crook, I think is, is a warm up. So yeah. what is your heart? <laughs> yeah. The switch flip back tail shoves is on, on the out ledge is the, you know, it's a, you just got to tell him when, when to do what. And Felipe is so on point. It's funny, but he likes having George there. He's like, can you come to it? Super interesting. Better to have you there. Super cool. 
were you at Skate Park of Tampa when Felipe Gustavo, maybe the greatest discovery story ever, uh, won that Tampa yeah. Am? Not only that, but Rob Marinick, my business partner now, and I were the first people he talked to upon wow. getting out of the cab and walking into the shop and not knowing anybody and not yeah. being able to speak English. The way to get over the microphone is like, can, does anyone here sport, speak Portuguese so we can talk to this kid? Oh, yeah. So let's set this up because I think this is literally one of the greatest discovery stories of all time. Um, for the non-skateboarding audience on here, Felipe Gustavo is an amazing skateboarder, skates for Plan B Skateboards. He's been pro for, what, 10, 12 years. Um, yeah. He skates for Adidas, skates for Red Bull. And many years ago, and then I'll let it, you take it from here, Ryan, um, he and his father took a, a, a flight from Brazil with the hope to get on the course. Do I have that right? Exactly. He won a a trip to Tampa for a contest he won in Brazil. And they never, the people that gave him the trip to Tampa never coordinated with us that he could get in the contest. Oh my gosh. So he shows up and he's like, yeah, I want a trip here. You know, once we got a translator. Right. Like, Not even in England, in Portuguese. He's like trying to explain yeah, like, like I'm supposed to be in this contest. And I'm like, you're not in this contest. We never heard of you. We don't know who these people are. The contest is full. And also, so, for our non-skaters, Tampa Am is the most desired contest for anyone who's not pro to get in there because it's your opportunity to be seen, and there are a limited amount of spots, and um, maybe some gatekeeping, right, to be fair. Like, hey, you're yeah. not, you cannot roll up to Tampa Am and just skate that contest. You have to know people. You have to be a top guy like after they learned their lesson with damn man with me i think uh they're like kids are calling in and saying they're really good and <laughs> then they <laughs> can't land any tricks um so yeah just to build on wh where you're going here is to get in this contest is like getting to like the hottest vip club of all time and just showing up and say i'm supposed to be inside and it's like no you're not yeah exactly yeah you're you, you can't get in you know you can't even get in the door nowadays you know yeah and so back then if you just showed up and didn't and you weren't already entered in the contest it was essentially impossible unless for some weird reason like someone could pull a string with you or the right industry person was there to be like yes this guy's on my flow team from here we believe in him we think he's going to be this and that that happened once in a while but with someone that didn't speak english it, it was like you're like and no one knew him he didn't know anybody wow it would it would be really difficult so I don't remember what happened, but we made him wait that one day. And then was the there like a ledge day, on the ground? You just starts doing nollie flip nose slides and you're like, ah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And maybe it was like, maybe it happened where like he snuck out on the course and we saw him or like whatever it was, but, but we ended up getting him in the contest. Yeah. And, and he won. He won. Which is, which is insane to do. Like, to, I mean, you, it's the best skaters in the world that aren't pro and he beat them all and no one ever had heard of him before yeah and the the thing too there on that is skateboarding is so subjective that it's not that the judges aren't doing a great job or or scoring accurately but there's so much is this trick better than that trick and so typically skaters who are well known and beloved by the industry are naturally getting a little extra love versus this kid who shows up nobody's ever seen him before he doesn't speak english and so that can just tell you how much he deserved to win above and beyond, you know, taking the crown in that moment and never looked back. 
yeah, if you're turning heads and no one's ever seen you before, that's 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 really something. You're right because he's skating against kids that are already scheduled to be to be pro. They're going to turn pro, you know, yeah. in months or you know, short time later. It's already and and they're all well known. And you're right. I would say that there's like definitely the the there, there's a the judging would not be considered biased in any way. Like I don't I, right. I want to clarify that. Like for the for those guys. But you're going to notice like, oh, that's the guy that just would, had that ad with zero or that's the guy yeah. that is, is the new Spitfire dude that is coming up, you know. So. So, yeah. And when someone comes up like Felipe with a bunch of sponsors you never heard of, all <laughs> Brazilian sponsors, right. just some random kid that doesn't speak English. He's there with his dad. And you've probably heard the, the, the rest of the stories like his dad to afford the entire trip. His dad sold the family car. Yeah. Like it's a it's a crazy story. And then it, that it, it's ultimate. It's the ultimate skateboarding turning pro story and American dream story because Felipe is now a U.S. citizen. So, wow. You know, yeah, he he is. uh, And also, I I can't say enough nice things about Felipe. The reason that Felipe made it is because his his perseverance, his hard work. Yeah. And his consistency of over and over. He's just going to show up and do his job. And and he he is is the best, hardest working and sweetest kid. We still work with him. He was one of our first clients when we started managing skaters. Incredible. Well, that's a a perfect step into, you know, this next part of your journey here, which is part of what you do is you just so happen to represent some of the greatest skateboarders in the world as in an agent type of a role. Do I have that right? It is. It it is. It's um, traditional sports agent type role. It started a little different, though. Um, That side of our business, I started when I was still at Skate Park of Tampa. Um, My co-founder with that, that side of the business is called Excel Management. My co-founder of that is Heath Brinkley. He's he's currently Heath is the president of skateboarding at Primitive. Yes. Um, Primitive is awesome. Like, yeah, we had Robert Brink on the podcast, and he was working with Primitive at the beginning. And yeah, big yep. what Heath and Primitive have done is incredible. They've touched some of the esports uh, fandom with uh, their their anime collabs and stuff like that. So yeah, yes. huge fan of what they're doing. Yeah, they're a massive, in skateboarding terms, massive company, hugely influential. Heath has done like so many things in his career, right? He was like one of the first team managers of Action Footwear, and then he was at DC. He's been at cool. Etnies. Um, You know, he's done so much. And he would come to the to Skate Park of Tampa every year, and he ended up becoming P-Rod's personal brand manager. Right. So he was Paul's personal brand manager. He and I were just friends of just, he would bring the team, he would bring Paul you know, like he, so he, whatever company is working for at the time and we're friends and he goes, Hey man, you, we became buddies. He's like, you're really good at like small business. You should manage like from a business perspective pros because they don't have anyone to do it. And he was explaining to me how Paul had a company, a CPA or a firm mm-hmm. that collected his checks, paid his bills, made sure his, his payroll was getting done with his corporation, we got, you know, got him loans, did anything you needed from a small business perspective. Yeah. And Heath put me in touch with Paul. I already kind of knew Paul, you know, him from skate, from just sure. contests and stuff. Paul hit me up. He's like, hey, I heard you you can do this. And he, he explained to me, like, what the company did exactly. And I'm like, I can totally do that. Well, so Paul was our first. What's interesting about Paul, too, is he was one of the first amateur skateboarders that was really making a significant amount of money before he turned pro, right? Before it was, hey, 
you know, you're not getting paid. Maybe you're getting per diem or whatever, or you're able to sell all the extra skateboards that you're getting for free as an amp. But he was someone, he had the bends, right? And his because of his father's entertainment background, his father's the comedian Paul Rodriguez, had kind of an understanding of this. And what's funny and another funny coincidence, I grew up with Paul's cousins, Sam and George Rodriguez. Uh, oh, wow. They're from Orange Cove, California, teeny tiny town. I'm from Reedley, California, and Orange Cove actually has one of the best skate parks around because I think because Paul was somehow involved in it getting done out there. So every once in a while, Paul would come to town and this was like uh, DNA skateboards days. Um, oh, wow. Going back. Yeah. One time yeah. I was skating their driveway and we, you know, go in, just hanging out, watching skate videos and Paul calls Sam and George. And this was when he was between City Stars and Girl. And he called, and there's this, like, in Yeah Right, there's this big set of stairs. I think he does frontside flip and switch frontside flip. And that might have even been his first girl ad. But he calls Sam and George. He's on speakerphone. He's like, dude, I skated with Costin today and Mike Carroll. And it was the sickest thing. I, I frontside flip and switch frontside flip these stairs and blah, blah. And it's just like, I'm sitting there, like, witnessing a moment. And then. That's cool. Sure enough. That's so, cool. yeah, a lot of. A lot of respect for what he's done and a little insight into yeah inside peak into the start of his career yeah paul paul is uh he's a special he's a unique person he's the guy that lights a room up he's like the mayor you know yep. and, and paul can do paul paul's gonna do anything he wants with his entire life because he's that he's that special dude so that was like 12 years ago that paul hit me up maybe it was a little long, longer at this point and we still work with paul in that capacity cool we're still his business managers and we watched this whole thing of like leaving plan B, not know what he's going to do. Primitive starting. That was a lot of that was Heath. Behind, well, it was all Heath behind, behind the scenes going primitive needs primitive skateboarding. Yeah. You know, that was, that was Heath's, Heath's brainchild. So, um, so we start managing Paul's, you know, essentially money, collecting checks, paying bills, handling all that kind of stuff. And then our next client was Fred Gall. And he was oh, wow. in trouble with, yeah. That's the other end of the skateboarding life. spectrum from, uh, yeah. yeah transition yeah, and uh d- d- different uh different brand fred gall versus yeah. erod for sure yeah and and uh i mean i, t- I say this publicly because fred talked about it publicly too is interesting issue with with the irs you know and so we jumped in and started helping them you know because because wow. when you don't when you don't pay your taxes you um you get uh levied they go into your bank account they take they, they freeze everything they'll take your money um and uh, so we, we got that to stop and work with the IRS. And, and it was just one of those things where we just started getting a reputation of like, hey, these guys solved my problem. Right. And skateboarding's small and tight. These guys are all friends. And I think our next client might have been Stefan. And it kind of grew from there. Wow. Then the, and what, what ended up happening was there were – so Paul had a separate agent. And a, a lot of these guys had – well, not a lot. Uh, the tip-top guys had agents. Right. Like Sheckler and – Costin, you know, like they'll have, they have agents and no one was doing what we're doing within skateboarding. And then I had spent all those years at skate park of Tampa. We just really fast forwarded through the skate park of Tampa 15 <laughs> yeah. years, but I had the experience of like negotiating with, you know, uh, everyone from, from Duff's DVS, Nike, Red Bull, all the sponsors along the way, whether it be, yeah. you know, the hard goods, all the hard goods companies had relationships with everybody. So I had visibility into contracts and what was getting done, hmm. how much was getting paid, you know, Good and then be, being friends with pros, learning, learning, started doing the, being friends with people and just hearing things. 
And then starting doing the business management, I started getting it as a fact, like, oh, this is what Nike's paying this person. Or that's what Red Bull's paying that person. We started having, at this time, maybe we have eight, nine, 10 clients. So I had a good visibility of guys from up at the top down, down to a, a little bit lower. And I'm like, okay. And so then someone hit me up. I can't remember who it was, but it was like, hey, would you look at this Red Bull contract? Sure. Oh, you know what? I, I just thought of who it was. So we were doing book. We were doing the business management for Austin Gillette, who we still do. He was yeah. a little kid. He's like eighteen or nineteen at the time, probably. You mm -hmm. know. And he was on Quicksilver, and the Quick Quicksilver. This is when Quicksilver had a skateboarding team, and then they just dropped everybody. If you recall right. this, yes, all at once. Everyone from, I think it was like Tim O'Connor might have been still on at the time, and and like was Reese Forbes on uh, there. What's that? Was Reese Forbes on there? Reese was on there. He might have been off at that point, but okay. yeah, like. Uh, Justin Brock, yeah. a lot of guys were, mm -hmm. were on, uh, and Austin was one of them. And I got, he sent me his contract. And in the contract, there was a clause that permitted the brand to fire you within 30, with their, a 30 days notice for any reason whatsoever. And I'm like, yikes. Didn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. seeing, and then Austin was like, is there anything we can do? And then I was like, no, because you signed it. That's that. They're cutting the program. But that was my, that wasn't the trigger of like, hey, these guys that aren't on the Paul level or Sheckler level, they need help too. And you can help them yeah, and make them money, make them more money. Because what it takes – someone in my role, right, it's like you have a, you have a, a skateboarder who's got you know, three or four different hard goods sponsors. Maybe, maybe if they're on Red Bull or Monster, they have a headwear situation. They have an mm -hmm. apparel. They have footwear. If you take all of those – those separate deals and you bring them all up to mm -hmm. the tip top that they can be for that skater, you can significantly increase their overall income. Right. And so you're getting paid by six different people. So even if it's a, a couple grand and then it's five grand, seven, 10, et cetera, then that's yeah. times six. Obviously they have ranges, yeah. but yeah, that, that money can add up real quick once it starts to grow. Yeah. And the, the other thing you can do is make the companies work together, right? Let's say, for example, someone gets a big incentive from their apparel company if they have a back page ad, but then you get them on the new company that is running the back page ads and mm. you say, hey, can you give them this at this as part of the deal? Yeah, sure. Well, we'd love to give them an ad. And so you're like, hey, make sure you wear that logo. And then you get a nice bonus for that. So there's all these different ways to work it. There's... To, to, elevate somebody yeah no, that's a that's a great point and it's you kind of work in the system there right because you're like hey you get your uh your photo incentive uh plus plus the ad one thing that i think has been so interesting in skateboarding sponsorship is how companies who are not apparel companies <laughs> officially are actually apparel companies um i think probably nobody has done it better than diamond and so, and then a Grizzly Grip, it's yeah. the same, the coaching tree, if you will, right? You got Tori yeah. coming up after Nikki Diamonds, yeah. but it's super interesting how, uh, you know, for our audience who aren't skating, of course, um, you know, Diamond Supply Co., which is the bolts that, that hold your trucks onto your board, the hardware, but Nick was friends with all the homies at EMB in San Francisco, which was the mecca of skateboarding in the 90s. And so everybody was sponsored by Diamond, right? Like if you were doing anything right, you were sponsored by Diamond and then grew this apparel. Everybody had that Diamond shirt, that one logo, that curse of script. Yes. And then you have um, Tori Pudwell kind of took it to the next le level, I want to say, with Grizzly Grip. 
where he's, um, you know, a grip tape company and my preferred grip tape, by the way. So if Tori's oh, wow. listening, right. yeah, yeah. Nice. if you want to send me a sheet or two, I'll take it. But, um, you know, full blown apparel lines. And one thing that's interesting is Brandon Beeble had an experience with Maddox and Diamond years ago. And he had a day in the life. And Maddox was his apparel sponsor. He wore a Diamond shirt because Diamond is one of his other sponsors. But he's kind of feeling Diamond a little more at the time, from what I understand. And so he actually got dropped by Maddox because he he was wearing the wrong T-shirt. And that's an example of when those companies are the sponsors are probably not working together and really interesting dynamic with having multiple sponsors that you have to support. Yeah, that's a And that's part of our jobs, right? It's like to make sure that like, hey, if he's doing this thing with Diamond, is it cool that he wears this shirt that particular day? You know, and um, give me an example of, of what you're talking about there. Mark Gonzalez, as you probably know, is on Adidas Apparel. Right. He's also on Supreme. So right. getting in there and, and, and making sure that that works. And you may notice that Ashad is on Nike Apparel, but sometimes you see him walking in a runway and yeah. or wearing some high fashion and you just have to make sure that all works. And, and hey, is Nike cool with this? And are these brands cool with that? Are they is does this bring everybody up? And if you can be in a lot of time, you're just in agreement that like, hey, we're all benefiting. Right. From, from the situation, you know, a shot wearing some, you know, some, some, you know, fat, you know, doing a high fashion, uh, yeah. um, campaign is it, it brings more attention to them and yeah, they're not, Nike skateboarders kind of, are not going to buy those, uh, shoes rather than, um, his new signature promo yeah. that came out a few and months often ago. he can be in the, his shoes, you know, the shoes he's wearing, he can be in his shoes. So that's the whole goal anyways, to sell more shot footwear. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's really incredibly interesting. Why don't we, you um, list off for us some of those other clients of yours, and especially those uh, that have signature shoes, because it's pretty impressive what's up, happening clients there. I'll, I'll look them up, make it easier. And you, you know, the, the the thing that ended up happening was that we were doing these kind of smaller deals, and then we started picking up and representing skaters that were that were not yet fully under contract. Mm. So that's how we ended up like managing like a, a Jamie Foy or yes. Nora who we met. We still manage Jamie and Nora to this day. Mark Gonzalez is obviously the, it's kind of crazy to manage Mark. He's the, he's the greatest of all time. He, he invented what we do. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and I wasn't, I mean, I'm just a, a, as a kid, just a Mark fan or whatever. And just like anyone else that's been skating forever, but I didn't know Mark until 10 years ago, you know, when I really started working with him and, it was interesting all those years in skateboarding, he never had consistent representation, never had mm. someone on his side, always going, this is what you need to be doing. And this is how it works. And if you do this, I can do that. And we've had a great, a great, great relationship. Well, and um, he's such a creative genius, genius as well, that it's, it's very uncommon that, Hey, you're the best in this world at this one thing. And then you also are an expert in business or have the time to do all these different business things. And exactly. I think one thing that's interesting too with Mark Gonzalez is he's got that mystery about him. You know, like you don't know, maybe you know where Mark Gonzalez is, but nobody else seems to. And he's just going to pop up somewhere, maybe at the Supreme store in New York, or maybe he's going to be randomly in Paris, France. 
or you're going to see him on a schoolyard still skating at like an incredibly high level too, which is, yeah. I don't know. He's just, he's 53. He's, he's still ripping. Jeez. And, uh, I, you know, he, he's just that, he's just that dude that, that, uh, he doesn't have to play the game like everyone else with like social media and this many, oh, and this many posts per month and all that stuff. He just is, a, he's just on a different level where he just doesn't have to do that. Right. Yeah. Mar- Mark, Nora, Jamie, Ashad, Felipe. Those are like the, a lot uh, our clients that we, you know, that, that I end up working on a lot. We've done, man, we've so many people over the years, you know, like, you know, we started managing like Brighton Zoiner, you know, when she was, wow. before she had, I don't think she had any paying contracts at the time, you know, and then she ended up going on to win like three X games in a row, Vans Park series, you know, having, having colorways, getting on Red Bull, you know, like these really, like you end up, she ends up having these runs and we, when we would pick kids like Alex Sorgente, we would pick Sorge out because I knew, I knew him from Florida. I knew how good he was. And I was like, man, if you do this and this, I could probably get you on this company and we can make this happen. So he had like a really good run of like winning contests too. Cause I would wow. see like working on this ground level, you would see all these things happen. And you could put it, put pieces together. And that just led to like, Hey, I heard you did this for Sorge. Would you, would you do it for me? And then we started cool. just getting business that way. And it, it led to these higher earning or maybe higher profile pros, you know, like where, but, and then, then you have someone like Nora, I, I love, talking about this because Nora hit me up and I knew who she was. I thought she was cool. I thought she yeah. was funny. I thought she ripped. And she's like, Hey, I think I need your help. And I'm like, I, I would love to, but I don't think I can help you. Mm. I, I don't think there's any brands interested in doing anything seriously with, with a female. Oh, and wow. she was like, I, I, she goes, I think Adidas wants to, you should hit him up. Was when like, was really? this roughly like years, years wise, eight, eight years ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so in 2000, what does that make it? I don't know. I'm, I'm terrible at that. Well, the last, last four, maybe five years, just female skateboarding has just rose so rapidly. I, I remember, you know, growing up, you basically have dudes at the skate park. Maybe there's uh, someone's girlfriend showed up or something like that. Right. But now, I mean, literally every time I go to the skate park, there are girls there and they're skating because they are skateboarders because they just love to do it too. And it is super cool. And yeah. I think Nora is one of those people who have just shown young girls like, Hey, we can do mm-hmm. this too. We can thrive and we can even have our own signature too for a company like Adidas. Yeah. That was a, that was a long, long play right there. Right. And, it, yeah. and it's like Adidas knew the value they understood and they knew, they knew they needed to do something with, they had this opportunity with, with a, a woman. And it was, it was interesting, right? Because like, it was like a starter contract. It was like, hey, let's do two years and see what happens. Hmm. Like, how's this going to play out? What are we going to do? And of course, Nora's skill set is like, of course, she's good at skateboarding. That, yeah. That's like, that's it, right? But then her personality, it's like, oh, we can do more with this. Oh, she's so cool. We love her on trips. And it just it just rolled into this. This like, Nora is a major player at Adidas. Yeah, and you know that brings me to my next point, which I think is super interesting. It's it's really the value that you're bringing in this space is guidance and is so needed, proper guidance from the perspective of a skateboarder, but also helping to, well, I guess identifying the nuances of what makes a skater special who's going to be that special one. And the reason why I think that's so needed in this space is you have more, everybody's good now. 
I can't believe how good every single skateboarder is now. Like I always say, every skate park, everywhere you go, every skate park you go to, every town, everywhere around the world, everyone rips. Everyone rips. Everyone rips. So because of this dynamic that everybody's just so good now, you don't have enough companies to support everybody that just based on a pure skill level could be pro, right? So then what are those other things, Ryan, that come into play where you look at someone like Nora we talked about, um, or maybe it's Jamie, maybe it's Ashad, is, wait a minute, you can be a brand, you can do something special, and then what are that guidance you're talking about with Sorge? You know, like, don't do that trick, do this trick, very nuanced. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I'll touch on the Sorge thing first, right? I could see his talent, you know, like, he, he's so good at skateboarding, he's, and he's powerful, and, and and he's consistent, but he didn't know exactly. Like I'm like I know what the judges are looking for, and I know right. like what's considered corny or not corny. So I would just explain to him like, hey man, like even as simple as like, don't wear this today, wear this, hmm. because then no one's gonna talk about what you're wearing. They're gonna just look at your skateboard, <laughs> right? Yeah. And the other thing would be like, hey, this trick is not desirable. And he's like, well, isn't that harder than this? I'm like, it is, but it just doesn't look cool. And so right. if we're trying to look cool today and win this contest, don't do it and do this instead. And he's like, okay. And he, he was a good listener, right? And he, he's just like, all right, even though we would like kind of banter back and forth. And he's like, you're telling me not to wear this? Like you're wearing shorts. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm, I'm 45 years old and no one's trying to make products like surrounding me. I'm like, I'm trying to like make you look cool. Like, yeah. you know, and he, he was, he was such a great person because he's so good. He could win the contest. So just a little bit of guidance at that point of like, hey, this is like something that will get you to this next level. He listened and it, and it absolutely worked. When it when it comes to like uh, the uh, oh, ask the other part of your question again. Sorry, I got I got yeah. It's it's simply that there's so much talent, uh, too much talent for companies to support. You know that guidance oh, yeah, yeah. that is needed. Yeah, yeah. So that that has to go with like that. There's like a mixture there, right? So you have like we're looking for for skaters obviously that are good but mm-hmm. then at the same time that possess we just started calling it magic that possess the magic right mm-hmm. and they have this this thing about them that's special nora has that it's the allure of like i want to be around nora nora makes me happy and smile and she has that yeah. mark gonzalez obviously has the magic because he's he's the greatest of all time mm-hmm. shod has that magic but his is different than Jamie Foy's. And if you take skaters that we don't manage, there's tons of them, man. There's like, that have that magic, like a Sean Malto's magic yeah. is like different than a, like a Louis Lopez's magic, different than a Tyshawn's magic. And mm-hmm. it's all, they all have that thing that is like, these dudes are not just what Tyshawn can do over a garbage can. Like <laughs> switch. Not just that. Like <laughs> yeah. that alone is like amazing. But then there's this thing about him. I don't know if it's like, his person, his ego, his like, I don't care what you think. I'm going to tell you what I think. And like, that's something special about that. That it's right. just like, he doesn't give a shit. And that's, that there's an allure there. So they're like, damn, I, I'm interested in that kid. Well, he's got and, something to say. He's got an opinion. And also too, he's got some, he has a different opportunity than someone like a Sean Malto or someone like a Nora, right? Because his brand needs to be built differently with different companies who, who support that, who make that happen, which actually Nora and Tyshawn, now that you say it, they both have pro shoes for Adidas. 
right? So you've got two people who have signature shoes for the same company, but their brands are worlds apart, would you say? They are, but their brands are both. It's, they absolutely are, right? Because Tashon is like as, as, as New York and streets as yep. you can get, right? And, but, but he speaks to a certain group of people, but it spreads farther, right? Because I'm the farthest thing from that. I'm a guy that works in skateboarding that, that, that <laughs> has, was a contest skater when I was a kid. It's like, right. you know what I mean? Like, I, but I'm like, damn, that's so sick the way he does what he does. Like, it's so amazing. And with Nora, it's just, it's, it's just a different kind of magic. She's mm. got that special thing because Nora rips like she's super good, but then she's got that thing about like, man, she's making, Tyshawn doesn't make me laugh. Nora makes me laugh. Yeah. Interesting. You know, where I'm like, Tyshawn makes you feel cool. Like, man, that dude's cool. What he's doing is cool. Everything he touches cool. Nora's like cool and she's funny and she's not super serious and she makes skateboarding fun and she makes you feel like you can be part of, you can be part of the crew. Yeah. Tyshawn's crew is kind of like super cool and like I wouldn't I'm not part of Tyshawn's crew. I'm part of Nora's <laughs> crew because I'm like, oh, we're just having fun, you know? Yeah. Another thing that I think is important, this is something that um I'm not saying I have the magic, but something that I experienced that helped me have more sponsors for a longer period of time than just my talent on the board was understanding why I was sponsored. And it wasn't because uh-huh. I was cool. That was just part of it. Now <laughs> is yeah. I knew like I backed all my sponsors so hard and still today I'm just a natural brain ambassador having, you know, done it since I was 14. But I knew that a sponsor either gave me free stuff or paid me because they would make more money than if they did not or if they did that with somebody else. And I had an eye-opening moment with Globe Shoes um, with Jay who used to hook, hook me up for like seven years, you know. It actually is more of a testament that I couldn't make the jump to... <laughs> <laughs> actual flow <laughs> but at one point jay dropped everybody from you know his budget all the people he's flowing shoes except me and it and i wasn't the best skater of all the guys he hooked up by any stretch of the imagination he said john some people just think they're cool and they deserve shoes and a, that's not how sponsorship work. works yes he, he, you know work like how easy are you to work with Mm-hmm. How accommodating can you be? Are you not a dick? You know what I mean? Like, right. Pe- people real quick become super entitled when they get to a certain spot. And if you can keep that humility, you know, you maintain humility and be like, man, I'm lucky to be here. Mm-hmm. Then, then you can go, go a lot further. Yeah. And yeah. And keep check the ego, which is hard for all of us. And it's hard for me. You know, you just got to check it at the door and you know, you're just, I just work here, man. And I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm curious as we're we're getting close to the end here. Uh, one question I would have for you is if if I'm a skater and I'm listening to this and I'm trying to make it, what is what are some tips that you could give me? Maybe the younger John Davidson who is um, pushing pushing the limits. What would you say I should do um, to have the best chance to be successful as a professional skateboarder? Yeah, um, I would say that the number one thing obviously across the board, as we discussed, is being good, that, that you're going to have to work on your skill set first, right? Yeah. I think that probably the second most important thing is look like you're having a fun time on your skateboard and that other people have fun and smile by watching you skate. I think that is going to be huge because that is what sponsors are looking for. You just need someone that 
I mean, ultimately, they're trying to sell product with you in it. On Commands it. the crowd, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and you just make it make it look fun. Make it look like we're having a good time. Yeah, behind the scenes, business is serious, and we're all under contract, and we have you know n- n- non-competes and NDAs and all that stuff that we can't do. Sure. But like, ultimately, we're supposed to be having fun. And I would say do that. And beyond that, it's like, you know, you, your unique personality should shine. You should be an individual and you should, you should be, you know, all the creativity and all that sort of stuff that goes along with being a professional skateboarder without faking it, without trying too hard. You can always tell when someone's, mm. someone's trying a little too hard, you know? Right. You know, you know, show. And then all the other things show up with a smile, be there for your demos and your signings, all that stuff. And never be the one that's in the van when you're coming up and be never be a pain in the ass, man. If you're just like, you just go look, go with the flow. Like, if yeah, you, everyone's going to Whole Foods. You'll find something, man. You don't have to go to Chick-fil-A, you know, <laughs> and then when you're Jamie, then when you're Jamie Foy, you can call the shots like we're going to Chick-fil-A. And but, but yes, yeah. then everybody else has to be OK with Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yes. At, at that point. Right. Because there's going right. to be a time like you ascend to this level that you get to call the shots. But when you when you're just like coming up, man, you just go with the flow. Keep your head down, skate. You know what I tell a lot of skaters coming up? I'm like, skate, skate, skate. Don't worry about the rest. Just it will all work itself out. Mm-hmm. We managed that uh, that little girl Ruby Ruby Lily. She's 15 years old. Yeah, She's super good at transition. And I'm just like, skate, skate, skate. Take your take your Smith grinds, and instead of going four blocks, go ten. Take your nose grinds instead right. of going three blocks, go seven. I'm like. There's no women that are going Mach 10 and doing a 15-foot 5-0. Do that. Mm. Like, you ever see how Grant Taylor can get to the finals doing 50-50s and 5-0s? Because they're that right. much better than the next person, than anyone's actually. Yeah. So he's taking the basic shit and doing it better than anyone's ever done it. Right. And taking it to the next level. So it's not, you don't need to invent tricks. It doesn't have to, because a lot of times the level of difficulty in tricks right now, but it's not graceful. It's not pretty to watch right. style matters style matters so do it you know i mean there's certain guys that can do that tricks that tricks like that like a, like a shane shane o'neill can do those tricks right that are that hard and make them look good right some guys can't it's just a struggle for them to land on the board no so one wants to see lands flipping in flipping out and it looks like you're trying too hard it's just not appeasing to the it's art right it's it's what looks good aesthetically pleasing is is part of it right like look at ty sean i, I can keep saying him right mm-hmm. look at ty sean he just looks cool man he's it's aesthetically pleasing it's a work of art when you see it right and and then you can look at skaters and know like and even the way you're and, and you know of course you get get down to the way someone dresses it's right. important man it's like like look at how you look do i want to look at like someone that's stylish and has good taste and they look cool or or are you just looking at someone that just doesn't care or have a i mean it's it you said it it's art so that art's yeah. supposed to be appealing i remember a uh, thing i noticed i used to skate with the think skateboards team at, at demos a lot because jesse Pias was skating for the same shop that i did and oh. so they would come um and he lived in the area so they would come do demos together so i remember colt cannon when he was on think and those guys and what i noticed about these pro skaters i looked up to that i tried to replicate myself First thing I noticed was everything was new that they were skating. You know, it's like, oh, that's a brand new board. You know, your wheels are white, not yellow. <laughs> but <laughs> the other thing I noticed, I was like, there's, it's one thing if someone's ripping. It's something if someone's ripping in a fresh pair 
of new shoes that are white or red. And so I would just get white and red shoes and skate them, you know, as new as I possibly can because it was the the aesthetics. Look good, feel good, man. It's true. That's it's right. Like, I, I believe in all that, you know, and it's like it's, it's up here. Like you start with that mentality of like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this. You have to believe in that first, you know. And, and yeah, it's a conscious decision, man. It's like, like, you know, whether their hair is a certain way or not a certain way or, like, they wear their shirts one way or their pants are too tight or too baggy or, like, all that stuff is, like, the way the shoes are tied and, like, just yeah. what do they look like? Do they look fresh and dope or, or like, and there's that other side of it. It's like, like, I mean, pick a, pick a skater. Andrew Reynolds, he doesn't look fresh and dope. He just looks awesome. Yeah. Like he always has looked good. He looks like Andrew Reynolds. Yeah, he's someone who's differentiating himself Mm -hmm. by, like, setting that trend rather than wearing what everybody else says is dope. Yes, yeah. And then that becomes dope. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ryan, I feel like I talked to you for a million years about all of the other aspects of skateboarding. I think we got about halfway through (laughs) what we would love to talk about. Um, Before I let you go, what are some of the ways that people can get in touch with you, uh, and follow you in the ways that you'd like them to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Ryan at the border.com. That is the best way to get a hold of me. Um, can hit me on Instagram too, on DM at RT Clem. And, uh, I'm, I'm way better at email though. If I get my phone number out, I wouldn't even reply to you anyway. So you gotta <laughs> email me. Then we set up calls. Yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah, it, it's tough. Phone calls are hard, man. Cause everything I do is like super scheduled and I'm right. sure you're the same way. It's like, yeah. I can't even, t- I've been getting texted while we're talking, like, hey, do you have a minute? Hey, do you have a minute? I'm like, I, not really. I'm on the like, DLC Drop podcast. I'm busy. Exactly. But but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's funny you said, because like everything's like scheduled and it's like, I do have 30 minutes now because this got done sooner than I thought it would. And Perfect. I'm skating at five, then I have to call at six and uh, yeah, that's just how it goes. That's life. Yeah. That's how you build a business. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I love opportunities to talk skating, especially with somebody who has, uh, the resume that you have and has, you know, really served the community for so many years. So thank you for being here. Thank you for joining me today on the DLC drop podcast. Thanks, John. Thank you for listening to the DLC drop podcast. This podcast is part of the esports future. I podcast network and produced by innovation media enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review.